Hello everybody, I'm Pax and this is Brotakus, the show where we argue that if Devilman Crybaby is so good, then how come they don't know how to draw people normal? We're nerds who love anime, who do a deep dive on what isn't isn't worth watching. We believe that you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form, and we are so lucky to have you on this journey with us. Joining us today is Brotaku's co-host, superstar, Anna Kiko. Anna, what's good today? Uh, everything is great today. I am actually going to an anime concert tonight. There's a candlelit orchestral concert of uh, famous anime openings and closings that I'm attending in Williamsburg, and I could not be more excited. That is amazing. And while you are flexing on uh, on me, I would rather talk to somebody else right now. So you stop stunning on me. So uh, also joining us today, we are so excited to have her on. Uh, Annie May Play. Annie is a Twitch streamer, is a fantastic uh, personality. Check out a bunch of fantastic streams of RPGs, has hot Twitter takes. Annie May Play. Annie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Officially 31 as of today. So a little bit of birthday hype. Ooh, happy birthday, Annie. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty amazed by the little plug right there at the start. I'm impressed with how much of that you made up, especially the good parts. Thank you. Brotakus <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, is where we lie for our friends, <laughs> making shit up at Brotakus. Gosh, I am so excited today because to have on uh, 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 people who are firmly enjoying today's topic. We are talking about Zombie Land Saga. This is something where uh, the haters and losers, the haters say, bad show, say it's overrated, but it is not. I'm talking to you, Henry Rosenberg. I know you have not been on the show in a couple episodes, but we will still dunk on you every day because this show is goaded. Before we get into the main topic today, <laughs> instead of dunking on Henry, uh, we had the anime concert tonight check-in, and we have some stuff in the Brotaku's news corner today right Anna what are we leading off with absolutely so first off uh, big news in in the world of sports the Olympic anime short is going to stream globally on the game's opening day next week so everyone look out for a very cute little animated short for our Olympics coming up in Tokyo uh, there's oh so do you want to cover the uh, uh, FNA F the FNAF the FNAF so I wanted meltdown to- yeah, I wanted to bring Annie in on this because this was a big thing, like, um, I, the news dropping a week ago. Have you played Five Nights at Freddy's at all? Are you, like, up on the discourse, Annie? Oh, I've never played the games. I've watched a lot of videos of the games being played because they just never interest me. But I was like, you know, I will, I will consume them in some manner. And then this whole thing went down, and it's just like, well, kind of glad I didn't play them. Like, I don't have a huge attachment to them. For yeah, those of uh, for those of our listeners who don't know what's happened, do you want to describe what happened? Essentially, the creator Scott uh, Cawthon, it was mm-hmm. revealed that he has donated a ton of money to like Republican causes. Which okay, like that's fine. Like you can donate your money to who you want, but when you have like an audience that is pretty like filled with LGBTQ people, like the Five Nights at Freddy's audience is, and you know what the Republicans are doing, like, you gotta you gotta step back a little bit. You gotta actually apologize. You can't say, well, I can do whatever I want with my money, because that's basically what he did. Well, you know, that's one take, Annie, but according to Scott uh, Coffin, uh, actually, let me, let me see if I can read this uh, quote from the now-locked Reddit thread. I'm a... Re- you know what? Actually, <clears throat> his last name's Coffin, so let's go. I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian. I'm pro-life and I believe in God. I also believe in equality and in science and in common sense. Despite what some may say, all of those things can go together. That's not an apology or a promise to change. It's just the way it's always been. <laughs> End of quote. Can we it's get a fact just, check, please? It's just the way we've always been. It's the way it's always oh, Scott, been. If you believe that, power to you, man. I'm, I'm going to have to say no on, on a lot of that. <laughs> Sorry, say, um, facts do not care about your feelings. It's the way it's always been, Libs. Checkmate. I'm going to say one more again. Try that again. <laughs> Try, try again. So, um, much like a uh, much like you know a normal uh, big boy non baby who isn't uh, pooping his pants and having a, tant- a tantrum, uh, three days after this blows up, and Annie was right on in that like the donations to like the Trump campaign are like the max every single thing for months and months and months. 
He just retires. He quits and steps down and is like, I quit video games forever because the libs are being mean to me. He uh, did the notch. He did the he notch. Did the, how, long, he, how long until Hatsune Miku invented Five Nights at Freddy's? Like, we're on that path. Oh, no. Uh, how long till we think we get, like, full alt-right uh, Scott Coffin? God, let's not. I don't need this yeah. in my life. The lip so, uh, came sh- for me on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> first the libtards came. First the libtards came for the libertarians, and I said nothing because I was not a libertarian. Then they came for the gamers, and I said nothing because I was not a gamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so uh shout out to brotaku's super fan scott uh you know we're 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 here when you're ready uh <laughs> oh gosh so anyway we have some other topics here on the thing what else we got in the news corner Anna? oh so this is not really news i just found it perfectly fantastic and i think all of our brotaku's listeners will as well there's a one piece mm-hmm. and where's waldo crossover that's being released in shonen jump and when I read that, it literally tickled me so pink. It's not even funny. <laughs> I, I can't wait to go to existed. And I'm, now I need it. And now you need it. Exactly. It's one of those things that you're like, this is the crossover we've deserved this entire time. It's oh. not the crossover we asked for, but it's the crossover we deserve. Yeah, you are very correct. And here I am going to show the screen and we'll show this for our video listeners. Where's Wally? <laughs> this is so weird. In one piece. Amazing. And can, yeah. you, can you just imagine the art in this book? Can you just imagine all the crazy, wacky characters we're going to have to search through to find him? Oh, God, yes. He's the most normal one there. Now, <laughs> if they really want to get bonus points with the fans... Zoro cannot be on any of the images. He has to be lost and somewhere else. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great take. That's a great take. I'm also hoping for like a Where's Walpole because I feel like that just fits phonetically the best. <laughs> but uh, gosh, how awesome. Uh, okay, Annie, favorite One Piece character. I get to talk about One Piece so rarely here. Okay, favorite One Piece character. Like all time, it's Zoro. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's Yamato. Yamato yes. is amazing. So amazing. I love him so much. And the fact that he's related to my favorite villain also really helps because this this Wano arc and Kaido is just like every week I'm just waiting. Every week. And then when it says it's on break the next week, I cry. I just yes. need this arc. I just <sighs> need it every week. How is it so good after twenty five? No. <laughs> So goaded, so goaded. Everybody, read, don't watch <laughs> One Piece. If you want to watch it, you can. But uh, use your own judgment there. So anyway, with that news about One Piece, that is the end of the Brotaku's News Corner, right, Anna? Oh, absolutely. Nothing else happened. Not a single other thing happened. <laughs> There's no more news this week. Uh, <laughs> and with that, the only other news this week that's worth listening to is that we're finally talking about Zombie Land Saga, a show where it is so easy to fall in love with this thing, and I'm so excited to talk about it today. Anna, can you give us some of the background on Zombie Land Saga? I would absolutely love to. So. First off, it was produced by MAPPA, and it was originally released between October and December of 2018, a manga adaptation by Games, which was drawn by uh, Megumu Soramichi, uh, came out in October 2018, and the interesting thing about that is unlike most other anime, Zombieland Saga's official manga was actually released only four days after it, uh, the anime began airing, so it was huh. real quick. Uh, production schedule for that. Um, the second season of Zombieland Saga, titled Zombieland Saga Revenge, came out in 2021 April. It is a new show, part of our summer lineup. <laughs> it was directed Using by... Japanese dates there. <laughs> it was directed uh, by Munahisa Sakai, uh, who was also known actually for Sailor Moon Crystal and One Piece. He hmm. did, uh, I think it was like season six through season eight of One Piece directing. Um, and yeah, that's our, that's our history. Awesome. Awesome. Now, um, Annie, when was the first time that you saw Zomb- Zombieland Saga? Cause I only got into this uh, a few weeks ago when this was kind of like put on my radar with revenge, but when, when okay. did you watch it? So I, I watched the first season, like when it came out, but I wasn't aware of it when it first started airing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a clip, I think through like the Crunchyroll page on Facebook of the rap scene, which we're going to definitely get to and talk about. Yeah. And I saw that scene, 
And I was like, okay, I I was invested in that. I need to go back and start watching this. So I watched that as it was airing. I think I got in maybe episode four, and then I watched it as it aired, and then the second season just recently finished, and I watched that like every week as it aired, and it was it was awesome. It was really good. Awesome. Awesome. Now, are any of us fans of the idol genre more broadly? Because despite the name, this is a idol show. Um, to be honest, traditionally, I don't usually go for idol shows. Like Idol Masters was really, really hard for me to get through. I didn't enjoy it as mm. much. Um, but I got I came to this the same way that Annie did, where I saw the rap scene and I went, oh, this is what this show is on. Oh my god! I need to get. I need a piece of this, and so I started watching it as it came out, and uh, it actually made me turn a corner a little bit on idol shows. So, awesome, awesome. D- does anybody have a deeper knowledge of when we say idol uh, for for our listeners who like aren't as up on the culture? What that means? Like, what are idol groups in Japan? Oh, absolutely. So idol groups in Japan are, are groups of young men or young women who um, basically they're, they become a manufactured music group. Uh, and I do and I do really mean manufactured. Uh, they're every points of their lives are controlled. They go to shows where they meet fans and shake hands and sometimes give hugs. And this is a really, really big deal. And the bigger the idol group, uh, sort of the more uh, attraction to um, whatever prefecture they're in. Uh, until they get big enough to start touring around. Uh, so idol groups are usually used as a tourism. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Thingy. A tourism bump. <laughs> a tourism bump. Oh, okay. <laughs> like Thingy almost every prefecture, them. almost Thanks. every prefecture in, uh, prefecture in Japan has its own idol group and its own mascot. I didn't, I knew that about the mascot. I didn't know that about the idol group. That's super interesting. Some of them are very small, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very homebrewed. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, the dark side of this, though, comes in that over-manufacture of things. Old movies like uh, <laughs> like back in my day with um, Perfect Blue, things that sort of follow Ooh. people who are making their uh, bones in the entertainment industry in Japan. The level of manufacture goes like even beyond like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, like Disney manufactured shit. The aspect to which every moment of life is controlled to the point where romantic relationships, unless you are like the top, 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 top idol and you have like wild leverage yourself, usually are an absolute no-go. Like maintaining the illusion that you're single forever and ever, um, maintaining this illusion of kind of manufactured untouchability Japanese like social media accounts for idols are are very rarely managed by the uh, idols themselves it's kind of you know the developed voice and to that extent uh, virtual idols like Hatsune Miku are very uh, uh, popular in Japan as well and I actually feel like the differentiation between like a completely digital idol and a idol that is ostensibly connected to a physical person who owns that name I don't know if it's that I don't know if the difference is that wide. I don't know. Is that is that a, a bad take? No, I think especially now with things like Hololive, uh, that line has gotten a lot thinner because now we have idols that play characters. Because that's essentially what Hololive mm. is. Like they're they're live streamers, and predominantly it's more in like a video game line. But they still release some of them. Still release music. They are involved in a lot of different processes. And we're more watching them for the character they portray rather than the person that they are. So this, it's this line where it's like, yes, they are real, but they're also virtual. And it's like, okay, I, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to watch and laugh mm. at the funny dog girl, but I will do right. that. Right. Now, I feel like... Did anybody... Okay, there was a Caitlyn Jenner tweet around a month ago when she announced her run for uh, governor of California, where she said, as as governor of California, I'm going to cancel cancel culture and wake up the woke. <laughs> did anybody see <laughs> <anybody laughs> that tweet? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't I can't <laughs> I'm going to wake up the woke. You're going to be double woke. <laughs> you're going to be so, so woke. woke, you're not woke anymore. I almost feel like Zombieland Saga made me a little uh, unwoke. I feel... Badly, because this is, I think, the perfect gateway uh, gateway pill into 
idol anime. I never had an interest in it before, but I love what Zombieland Saga has done to it so much that I worry it's made me uncritical about the kind of like financial and emotional abuses and excesses of the industry because I just like my zombie girls. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a bad person about it. I don't think you need to worry about that. These are these these beautiful zombie girls are at least well taken care of in their own little world, as well as the fact that uh, loving an anime doesn't make you blind to the plights of the human race. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, I have met people who watch Naruto. So now, if you love four to five <laughs> anime at the same time, then you might be a little disconnected from reality. Like the more the more you've got going on, the further away you are. I should clarify right. that I've only met people. I've watched people who only watch Naruto. Right, which makes you a fascist. Yeah, one, one piece. One piece makes you class conscious, but if you watch too much Naruto, <laughs> you be a horseshoe theory. You go in full, full fascist. Uh, don't even, don't even get me started on people who like Bleach. Uh, <laughs> there's so much to like about the first arc. There's so much to like it's about that. It's so good. The butterfly arc is so fucking good. And then what happened? Hey, and then what happened? Hey, the when they find when they do the anime for the for the last arc, it's still gonna be super confusing. But at least we're gonna get to see all the weird, violent body horror stuff animated. Yeah, yeah, and that'll be really, really cool. That last uh, so arc of Bleach was was so weird. I, I I'm pretty sure he was just flipping his editors the bird constantly. Like <laughs> I'm just gonna do whatever. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. So that said, we do have a main topic today. Before I start ranting too much about shonen politics, uh, talking about Zombieland Saga, the actual concept of this, because I'm sure for people hearing the title and hearing the you know what we're talking and saying it's about. Uh, saying it's an idol show, that might sound confusing. Who wants to take the lead on, well, what actually is Zombieland Saga? How do they meld these two worlds? Annie, why don't you take this one? Okay. So, essentially what Zombieland Saga tries to do is it tries to take a bunch of different horror tropes, especially zombies, as you can tell from the title, and it mixes it with idols, and it also mixes it with this sense of... I'm, I'm not going to call it Japanese nationalism, but it's that prefectural pride, mm. because the whole larger concept of what Zombieland Saga is, is they are an idol group, and they are essentially tasked with saving Saga, which is a prefecture. That's where the Saga in the title comes from. Um, they are going to save the Saga prefecture, basically by becoming a popular idol group. Now, why they chose... Why, why it's zombies doing this, and not, you know, just actual living <laughs> girls we actually do kind of get into that pretty quickly basically when you're looking for the best sometimes you have to uh quite literally dig deep and that's, <laughs> that's essentially where, where we go here <laughs> oh gosh 100 percent. um anna for the first episode how how this tosses us into the world. Can you give us like the first episode uh, structure? Absolutely. It's a very, very classic um, anime trope where it's a girl named Sakura wanting to be an idol, getting ready for her first day of school, putting the toast in her mouth, running out the door, and then immediately gets hit by a truck. Uh, so good old Chuck-kun makes a very, very quick appearance very early on. And uh, mm. 10 years later, she crawls out of the dirt and uh, runs into a bike cop uh, who shoots her. And she's like, that's well, it. Well, 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 she wakes up in the mansion. She wakes up in the she, mansion. She, she wakes up in the mansion. I apologize. She wakes up in the mansion, runs, you're right, wakes up in the mansion, runs out, finds a bike cop, shoots first, talks later, asks questions never, I guess. Um, and then meets her new soon-to-be manager, uh, Kotaro. And he explains how she's he's brought back a bunch of zombie girls from different eras, and they become an idol group to save Saga. That was a really concise. That's a really concise description. Hell yeah, Anna! I love that. Um, now, now, in terms of how much the show cares about explaining how Kotaro brought him back, um, Kotaro is both the one of the most wild voice performances I've ever seen. Like, God, it's, it's so good. Of, it's so, so good. good. Kind of is like a Japanese Pee Wee Herman in the sense where, like, he'll be talking like this, and then he'll get so passionate that he goes down here and like, and and. He's so interesting, and in terms of like who he is and like why he is, and, and he has a little zombie dog called Romero. It's like a George Romero reference. Um, 
he's basically like the vibe I got was like a necromancer that keeps rolling a nat 20 on charisma checks <laughs> because because <laughs> right away the show's really explicit about setting its tone where uh, Sakura um, wakes up and, and there are like uh, eight or nine or a bunch of other zombie girls there who have not yet like gained their consciousness but are roaming around just uh, style and so she's the only one who has a uh, uh, consciousness when talking to um, Kotaro at first and he lines them all up in like a dungeon jail <laughs> with the big blackboard of like here's how we're going to start an idol group and she asks she asks how did I become a zombie how did this happen and Katara just goes, have you ever seen a, a zombie movie? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, there you go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that, that's not important. Yeah. What's important is you're going to be an idol. Exactly. came back to life. It's the only thing it's, that matters. Absolutely. And so, Annie, from there, what do we expect, like, episode to episode, seeing the, the kind of concept grow out? So... At first, we kind of get the, like, they're trying to make the inroads as a group, which leads to some very weird situations. Like, they do an ad for a, like, a KFC-style company, which <laughs> I absolutely love, uh, mainly due to the one zombie that doesn't wake up during the entire series, which is Ty. The legendary Ty. Yeah. Her demeanor, her actions, because she's not conscious, she she bites things. She bites lots of things. She is wild and unpredictable. And they're going through these kind of growing pains as a group. They're trying to get their start. Then we get into, like, a run of, like, character-building episodes, which I want to touch on a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially, we start moving through the first season up to... Like, a pretty big concert and a pretty big climax that then gets pretty much subverted to start the, the, the second season. Um, mm. The revenge in the... When, when they announced the second season and they had revenge in the title, I was like, Re what? Huh? Revenge of what? Where's the revenge? And you don't get the explanation until the second season, and it's just a complete, like... Oh, we got to the top of the roller coaster, and then the cart fell off. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is like so effective. And the okay, so this series functions on two pretty strong levels. At first, I think it functions as a really tight satire of the uh, the idol genre, but then it shifts into something a lot more genuine. Anna, I'm kind of wondering, in terms of the themes of like the, the the satire moving into the genuineness, how effective did you feel the series is at kind of portraying some of these broader themes? Um, so one thing about this show is its genuine girl friendship that mm. is so like it's it's moving in a way uh, that you rarely get to see in animes, even like even like female driven ones. You rarely get to see, we were talking about this on the Sailor Moon episode. You rarely get to see like true girls being friends, joining together and like making something happen. So with this whole combination of horror and all the, all the original sort of like craziness that they introduce us with watching these girls grow and watching them like turn into this, a, a real group of friends is really, really mm. engaging and moving and wonderful to watch. Oh, also, fun fact corner with Anna, um, episode five, the one where they did the chicken jingle, that's a mm -hmm. real life chicken restaurant with a real jingle that they actually performed without telling oh, the company. <laughs> they, they actually didn't get clearance from the company first, and the company only found out because commenters and like fans of the show started sending videos to the company itself, and they let them keep going because it was such good press. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That is really cool. That is really cool. I've been hanging um, on to that little fun fact. <laughs> no, I super appreciate that. And and I think that the that jingle episode was one of the things like really hit their stride for me. I do think that the the satire of because I feel like all the building blocks of satire are there. I mean, saying that your idols are literal zombies who the reason that they can't interact with the populace outside their persona is not just that, you know, they'll be taken down by the press, but they'll literally be, you know, shot in the head and have their head chopped off by people hunting zombies, which by and large don't exist outside of the mansion. Is that, I don't know if we get more context in season two, but is that right, Annie? Like, okay. So this is going to, this is going to kind of dive into slightly spoilerish territory. 
mm-hmm. but we basically learn that the there's a bartender that uh, Kotaro knows. Um, he goes to that bar somewhat frequently in the first season, and especially at the start of the second season when he is dealing with a very strong depressive slide, we'll call it. Essentially, that bartender is like an alchemist who's been alive for hundreds of years. Mm. And he's the reason the zombie things start happening in Saga. Um, And it's not really clear, like, when the first zombie is, but there is a two-part episode in Season 2 that takes place, um, like, in an earlier period that is very interesting and kind of lays some building blocks for everything. But again, they don't over-explain they kind of under-explain, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't really yeah. need the whole backstory of how the series works. Mm. Like, it's good to be ambiguous, I think. I totally agree. That's such a brilliant point, because the, the series, like, is, is explicit about telling you that's not what this show is about. This show is not about finding out the mystery of this. The show is about you shut the fuck up and stop asking questions and fall in love with the zombie girls. Yeah, <laughs> and, basically. That's basically yeah. it. And it's really effective. And I having Kotaro as this character who sort of embodies the producer who is heinously abusive, and yet, like, I still <laughs> found him very entertaining because his whole shtick is that... Way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Anna, explain, explain the shtick. Okay, so it... First of all, this man knows nothing. This man absolutely knows zero things. Like every time the girl, every time the girls ask him a question, he's always like, "Well, this, uh, that's it," and gives them a non-answer and then beats them up just for fun. And it's it's not good. I never abuse is bad. Never abuse anyone. Never hurt anyone. Don't unless they ask for it. Unless it's consensual. But hot takes from Brotakus. Don't abuse people (laughs) consensually. But the comedy with which it is played off is it always hits right. It always hits Mm -hmm. right in a way that I like don't know if I love that I love it, but I do. (laughs) I think the voice performance is what really sells it. Especially if you're familiar with the voice actor, like, it's the same guy who kind of made his break, like, his break into VAing um, as uh, Light from Death Note. And when you realize that it's someone who's done these roles like that, that are fairly serious roles, and then he is just hamming it up all over the place. Like, Um, he just every extreme. Just so we know, it's uh, Mamoru Miyano is the voice actor. Hmm. And he okay, just goes awesome. he just goes to every extreme in the in Zombieland saga. It's phenomenal. If you've not heard his voice acting, just look up a scene that he is in and you will get the whole dictionary of emotion in like a 30 second span. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And his whole um pitch to everybody is to, to kind of zone in on like the tenuous theme of this is we need to save saga. What that means is never super well explained. I, the the extremeness of it is like okay, maybe a slight bump in tourism. Maybe we stop people from like leaving to move to like the big city as much. But the idea that it's kind of like life or death for Kotaro is always this kind of like tenuous veil that is draped over his intense narcissism. And the moment, and I'll include a, a clip of the the audio here. When they ask him about, like, okay, well, have you done, like, your demographic research on Saga? How many people are in Saga? And he's like, I know exactly how many people are in Saga. And they go, how many? And he's like, it's very, very small. They're like, right, but how many people live in Saga? And without even a third beat of letting a build up, he's just like, do I look like fucking Wikipedia? I'm not Wikipedia. Don't talk to me like I'm fucking Wikipedia. Fuck you. And I hadn't laughed that hard at an anime of him ranting with the Wikipedia, and I'll, I'll put the, the, the audio clip there. In a long fucking time, the show is so good, and the character building now, um, I, I think mo- moving on to this, making it unique, why we fell in love with this. Annie, when was the first time that you realized, like, oh, this shit slaps, I fucking love Zombieland? Okay, so this one's pretty personal for me, as mm-hmm. a trans woman. But there is an episode where one of the zombie girls, Lily, is revealed to have been uh, assigned male at birth. And I, Japan has always had kind of a, a 
not great history with portraying these sorts of things, whether it's anime, whether it's video games, whether it's dramas. It's always... Some are done okay, but for the most part, I've never seen one where I'm like, okay, that was done well. And then this series, out of nowhere, does it about as pitch perfect as you could ask for. The episode that focuses on Lily and her life before dying and becoming a zombie and just how that worked was amazing. And it even plays into her death, which was a, a, a very, like, dark comedy moment that I... Can we just fucking spoil it? Can we just fucking yeah, spoil like, it? Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about it. So, um, Lily, as she's growing up, like, when she's still alive, her father is very supportive of her as a child actress. But and he's about 18 private, feet tall. Yeah, oh my god, this dude. When you first <laughs> see him, when you first see him, you get all the wrong impressions about this character. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, I don't like where this episode is going, because he looks like he's like a giant stalker. He looks mm-hmm. violent and rough and haggard. And then, of course, they subvert that premise, which is something I think Zombieland Saga tries to do a lot, is it tries mm-hmm. to take things like you recognize and basically just subvert it. So he's very supportive of his daughter, but in private still uses like her dead name, etc., etc., and basically tells her that like when you start growing up, this isn't going to work anymore. Like you're not going to be able to do this. And they get into a huge argument about it. And she finds a chin hair. The shock of finding that chin hair Gives her a massive heart attack. <laughs> At the age of like six or like... Well, I think it's like ten maybe. Or ten, She's not yeah. old. She's not very old. That kills her, which is also <laughs> reflected in her character design. Because mm-hmm. as a zombie, her heart is outside of her body. There are scenes where you see it like beating out of control as she's nervous. And then when they, you know, when she's on stage, it's like, okay, let's, you know, get that back in there, please. Oh, that's get that's that literally a form of like tucking but with your internal organs. <laughs> like. Yeah. So that's like that's how she dies. And at the first time I saw it, I'm like, okay, like that could like I I get if you're looking to be offended, you could be like, wow, that's kind of like a mean thing to do to trans people, but like, no, it's not. I fucking hate chin hairs. Get them off of me. Like, I get it. And they just handled it with so much class that I mm. don't think I've ever seen before. And I think it's going to be a while before we see it again, especially in an anime that isn't about that. There are animes and manga that are about like trans issues, intersex issues. And obviously, you know, they handle that with a lot of grace. But mm. this is zombie idols. It's in an unexpected place, and they they hit it out of the park. And that is the moment I knew. I'm like, okay, this anime is a keeper. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, Annie. And I think why it felt so important to me is that... Um, the, I mean, one, it's all, all the characters, when they find out the information that Lily's AMAB, they're just immediately like, oh, cool, all right. And they don't fucking bring it up every episode. Like, have you seen Maiden Abyss? Oh. Yes. Yeah, Maiden Abyss is a show that, you know, we, we love here on Brotakus, but the amount of times they mention Reg's robot penis in that show is, like, ridiculous. Like, every other episode, they're just like, this is a robot, but somehow has a real penis. And just, like, the, the focusing on the, the genitals of children is really not ideal. But the, the absurdity of the, um, the, the chin hair heart attack moment that is also filled with, like, pathos and emotion is something that allows Lily, as the show's ostensibly, like, only explicitly, like... Uh, queer-coded character, a trans character, allows uh, her to participate in the absurd nature of the world and doesn't mm. sort of relegate uh, her to, as, as like cis writers or so, want to do a really overwrought, emotional, full episode of just like trans pain. It allows her to kind of be the young kid that is a that is emblematic of the craziness of the world with the immediate heart attack and the heart pumping out you know she is not the trans character after that episode it doesn't really play in like there might be one or two references to it through the, the through the entire rest of the series 
Like, not mm-hmm. even just the first season. I'm talking about all the way through season two. It barely ever gets touched upon. So it's great that they, like, she they, they brought her out. Like, she has her coming out moment, and then that that's it. She's still Lily. She's not Lily the trans girl. She's just mm. Lily. I remember yeah. watching this the first time and thinking, oh, this could go so bad, and I'm so ready for it to go so bad, and for them to bring it up all the time and for it to be the butt of jokes but what they genuinely did was they made fun with a character that had a lot of depth and a lot of like interesting mm. aspects about them as opposed to making fun of a character for those aspects or for the differences they have it was yeah. it, they handled it so well and i'm so happy that it, it was able to provide that kind of pathos for you oh yeah. like it just it it rang true with me on like so many levels even though when I was that age, I didn't know these things about myself. Like, I, I grew up in the 90s. I wasn't privy to a lot of this information when I was growing up. And I think maybe if I had been, things could have happened sooner for me. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But the fact that, like, when I watched it as, like, a 28, 29-year-old, and it resonated with me, I'm like, oh, my God, I get this. Just, like, you don't get that all the time with anime, especially... When you watch like a lot of like shonen stuff, or you watch a lot of stuff with heavy amounts of fan service, because I, you know, I do both. I'm 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 equal opportunities. I want to mm-hmm. see fists flying. I also want to see, uh, you know, secondary sex characteristics flying. I'm okay with all of it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just you don't get that heartfelt stuff all the time. And when you do, it's like okay, like I gotta hold on to this. It's also great how unexpected it was. Hmm. Just that. And it didn't come across as like a, a complete like whoa like this is a crazy shock. It was just treated normally, but then as abnormally as the show treats everything else. I guess there's which also, was awesome. It, there's also something kind of like weird to bring up, but I'm gonna bring it up anyway. Mm-hmm. In that episode, Sakura, you start seeing her in um, kind of like pajama wear, like casual wear, and her like little shorts are the trans pride flag. It starts in that episode as, like, I think, like, a little hint, like, where things are going. And then she wears those for the rest of the series. Her oh. little shorts are, are actually, like, the, the well. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, when I look back on it and saw that hint, I'm like, okay, that is the most subtle way to hint towards where something is going ever. Like, you wouldn't pick up on it unless you knew, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just, I don't know how a series like this does subtlety so well when it also is very, very over the top. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, that's a great point. And I think that even um, uh, One Piece, because I know we were, we were vibing on One Piece earlier, something that has both like, you know, for every, for every uh, Kiku and um, uh, Yamato, there is kind of, you know, like predatory trans island. You know, like One Piece kind of, yeah. I think, exemplifies like the best and worst of, of representation. And I was so not expecting this from Zombieland Saga. So thank you so much for sharing that perspective, Annie. Um, Anna, I did want to ask you, did you have like another standout moment to kind of like hook people into the show? Um, for me, uh, we all know this about me as, as many times as I've said it, but the music was a huge part mm. of this show for me. Um, you would think it being an idol anime, as we've said, that it would be all just like pop, like bubblegum hits and things like that but there's a great rap sequence there's some awesome like death metal in in the in the early episodes there's there's a huge variety of performances that these girls give to find of like sort of like find their shtick and all of them actually the let, let me look up the music producer really fast um but he he did a wonderful wonderful job with this uh, let's see. Music composer is Yasuharu uh, Takanashi. Yo, shout out. Shout out to our, our music composer. He did a phenomenal job handling a lot of different genres in a really, really difficult, complex way. And if, if music is your thing, um, even if like Magical Girl or like uh, Idol Girl animes aren't your thing, you should check this out just for the variety of music that these girls perform. 
thousand percent, a thousand percent. And you mentioned the the rap scene in episode two. That is like that was so unexpected and well executed. And it goes like death metal rap, and then it's not until like the third or fourth episode we actually get them uh, doing their what's their like main song that they play with at the beginning. Oh, um, shoot. Dang it. Hold on. Reviver, revitalize, Um, reserve, it's a reword. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Rezero. I know, know, like, returner is, like, the big... That's it. The big word. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the, um, the execution of the music, the way that it ties into the themes of... Uh, each episode at the end of the uh, at the end of the Lily episode, I was like crying because the show when it does these character episodes, it's usually like a present day, past day thing where almost Mass Effect style they they recruit somebody to their fan base from their past <laughs> by completing mm. the side character mission, and through a sense where like like the the biker girl will like met uh, the biker girl who's in the um, uh, Fran Shushu, which is the name of their idol group, which is so ridiculous, um, meets her old friend who is now a mother to a girl who's now in a new biker gang. And every time, like when, when Lily uh, meets her dad in the show, each time they're never like, that's literally, that's literally my child. That's, that's my kid. Or like, that's yeah. literally exactly my best friend that I grew up with, but didn't age. Instead, they're just like, ah, oh, dad, that can't be, that can't be, which is huge, a huge, a huge dub for them. Considering the producer brings Romero, the undead skeleton puppy to like everyone at concerts. He brings yeah, the skeleton I dog. Um, I, I don't know how they get away with it. And eventually that does kind of become a plot point in, in season mm. two where, there, there's hints of it in the first season where, like, there's a reporter who's kind of getting wise to, like, oh, my God, all these girls are dead. Which, considering <laughs> one of the... Two of the girls are previous... are idols from previous eras. Huge idols! Huge idols Huge that anyone idols. would recognize! Like. Yes. So I don't know how they get away with it for as long as they do. And, of course, when it comes up in season two that, oh, my God, they're zombies, and this guy wants to break it... There's a bunch of there's just a bunch of shit that happens and it, he can't anymore for the basically for the good of Saga. Like he can't break it because the prefecture the prefecture needs them. Things get very I know neither of you have like watched through all mm-hmm. of season two. Things get literally disastrous in season two. We get a flashback mm-hmm. arc that kind of explains a few things we're not sure on. Um Yugiri, the uh, the courtesan character, kind of like the geisha-style character, um, we learn about her over the course of two episodes, and it's almost like you're watching a different anime. Mm. And then we get back to the present, and, um, well, let's see, what happens? Their house gets washed away in a giant storm. <laughs> Most of the prefecture gets flooded. Like, oh. it's a gigantic natural disaster. Um, and essentially recovering from that hinges on, on them. Mm. So all of a sudden it's like, well, they're zombies, but I guess we're just going to have to learn to live with that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I also need to stress that even though we're kind of like spoiling plot points here, the, the plot, the plot in that sense is so unimportant to your enjoyment of the show. Like, like these might be things that happen, but the real core of this is like, how do these characters interact? How do they grow with that? And those are the types of things that like can't really be described. And did you did you have something burbling in your skull? I thought I, I saw the gears. I was just going to say that we were we were talking about how no one ever figured out they were zombies until like season two. But literally yeah. in the first episode, one of their head pops off at their show. So like I'm I am also not sure how they did this. <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's it's definitely played for comedy. Like yeah. it's never meant to really be like dramatic that something happens that's going to expose them. Even in season two, when, like, the reporter gets wise to it, it's still played for comedy, and there is a great episode in season two where they recruit another girl to the group because, and this is this backstory is going to blow both of your minds, she walks into the male portion of a onsen, sees Kotaro, who is there, slips mm-hmm. on a bar of soap 
and he thinks oh. she dies. Oh. <laughs> she wakes up alive, and then they recruit her into the group for literally for one episode. She's only around for one episode, but. The fact that his only plan when someone dies around him is like, well, guess I'll make her into a zombie. Like, his his level of unpreparedness for any situation is is legendary. Legendary. Oh, super legendary. And the... um. The sense it, again. I know we're we're harping on the unreality of the show, but you just you just hit earlier, um, Annie, that these people were like national level stars, like idols of like the biggest group at the time, and it's like they don't even dress different or represent different at all. They just go by numbers <laughs> on the yeah. stage. It's like if Kobe Bryant showed up to play for the Lakers next week and was just like. Uh, nah, man, I'm, I'm number 12. What <laughs> a weird coincidence this there is. There was another oh, guy well. who looked and sounded exactly like me, man. Yeah, that's not me. I'm not that guy. Sorry. Nah, I'm not that, <laughs> you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Um, to, to, uh, am I the only one who, who can't get over the auto-tune scene? <laughs> like... <laughs> point we're just kind of gushing about particular scenes but hopefully this is entertaining to listen to the moment for me when i fell in love with the show because even still i was still kind of like tenuously on like man like am i is the show just fluff or does it truly like understand does this show understand how good it is you know what i mean or is this intentional for the show i was still kind of like on the balance beam for a little bit there is a scene where they have finally like a sort of big concert but it's outside and it's pouring rain and uh, a gigantic thunderbolt strikes the stage. All of the girls destroys the stage, electrocutes all of the girls. The audience is like horrified at first because they're like, they're dead. They're all dead. We all saw them get hit by lightning. Instead oh, of that. Not wrong. Andy, can you describe what happens after the lightning scene? Um, well, I'm going <laughs> to. So I'm in the. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend I'm in the audience. I'm going right, to describe right. this from the audience's point of view. <laughs> Wow, this is a really... I did not know the special effects budget for this idol concert was so high. I mean, they've got laser beams. Like, this is, this is production to its next level. And I'm just going to assume that them destroying the stage is part of the show. Like, that happens, right? <laughs> this is something normal idol groups do. And I'm just going to roll with it. And I'm going to have a really good time while I'm here. I'm the not going to basically... it, no. It's basically gaslight the musical. <laughs> that, like the way they treat the audience because the the three stage of when they're hit by lightning first, they're alive and they're glowing, which it's like, okay, come to f they're glowing. Stage 2, they're singing, but now they sing in auto-tune because they're it's hit by so the lightning, good. and so they sing in auto-tune. And Andy just mentioned the lasers, which, <laughs> stage 3, they start shooting lasers out of their fingers after being electrocuted, and this is when the show, like like how like how Kotaro, he takes you by the chin and looks deep in your eyes, this is the show doing that, staring lovingly into my eyes and going, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't fucking think ever again. <laughs> Fuck you. And I, I loved it. I fell in love. I fell in love with the show because I saw that scene and I'm like, you are just fucking swinging your dick around at this point. What? Like, I, I loved it. I, to be that just kind of like, this is what we're doing. This is just pure fun. Um, I, it was so smart. It just, this is, it, it was the type of fun that like, when I was young and seeing like, bo 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 on Toonami, I was like, that's so random. This is what real comedy is. This is what I felt like a real good time is. This whole show, I was just like, this, like, it's possible to just watch anime for a ton of fun. And that's how this felt to me. They also, you know, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like it does play into a character's backstory. Because one of the previous somehow, idols somehow, yeah. died on stage when the stage was struck by lightning. Like it actually plays in. So they're not just they're not just pulling these like concepts like out of nowhere. There's mm -hmm. nothing there's nothing really in the show I would say is just done for shock value. Like mm. nothing is really random. It has a point. 
it is surprising how well tied together this show is. For a show yes. that is filled with nothing but nonsense, all of the nonsense has a reason and all the nonsense is there for like a specific purpose. And that just mm-hmm. makes it so much better because you're like, wait, why did that happen? I know that happened for a reason. Why the fuck did that happen? <laughs> yeah. It it feels like how D&D feels when I'm playing with my actor friends, but they are also all shit-faced while playing. Oh, and it's like, they're connecting the story together somehow, man. Somehow this is connecting, but they also just recruited three orphan children into their Marxist cabal and they're bombing City Hall. And like, it's just so, so wild. I think we talked a lot about the strengths of the show. Anna, I know that there were a few like weaknesses you had pointed out. Like, if we had to say what what the downside of Zombieland Saga is, what are our least favorite bits? Uh, my my mortal enemy rears its ugly head again. The CGI, <laughs> yep. the the CGI of the dance sequences. So, as in as is uh, common in most idol shows, uh, the dance sequences are done in CGI or a slightly different style of animation to make them smoother and more dancey and more fun. Uh, and the <laughs> the visual result is just jarring in a not so cute way, especially since Mappa does a really good job with 2D animation. The mm. rest of the show looks beautiful with like bright colors and these beautiful, cute little eyes. Like they they do a wonderful job with the animation, and then all of a sudden they go into a dance sequence, and you're like, oh look, robots. It's Uncanny mm. Valley, and you can pinpoint every time it happens. You can pinpoint it, and I think that's frustrating when you're watching something. And you can tell when something like switches a gear and you can definitely tell when the animation switches gears. Like there's no mistaking the transition from the way the show normally looks to the CGI. The CGI is so much lower than the way the show looks. If Mm -hmm. if you're looking for sort of a comparison, think Mugen Train level CGI, where all of a sudden, (laughs) where all of a sudden just flesh colored creatures crawl out and you're like, that looks different. Hmm. (laughs) Wow, this movie grossed a billion dollars. Oh, wow. It looks like a PS2 game now. (laughs) I'm so sorry. People are so angry at our Demon Train, or our Demon Train, our Mugen Train take. Um, There's still a lot to love about Demon Slayer. We will put that out there. Um, the the inconsistency of it, I think, is what bothers me most about these dance sequences. Because to save money on it, it's it's like they they create the you know 3D models and create the rigging, but then they run the same dance sequences on all of them. So everybody's following the same sort of like limp puppetry. And if I I think I might even uh, care about it less if every dance scene was like that. Mm-hmm. But some aren't. Some are really good, and some they do actually animate by hand and put the work in and so that's what makes it extra jarring when it's like oh i'm loving the show and sometimes even halfway through this song they had animated yeah they animated the first half and then they go 3d for the second and i just kind of feel like oh they're edging me (laughs) like i I, I feel so i'm being teased right now yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, is there any other any other weak points we wanted to hit on because i think that might be my only big thing about it um, let's see. So it was definitely the inconsistent use of 3D animation. And there are points in the story, or there are points in the in the anime that can be a little light on story. So if mm. you are looking for something that is going to be like hard hitting, all content, all the time, this show probably isn't for you. Because there are some, mm. sometimes times where you just have to watch cute girls doing cute girl things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, who would we... As we're kind of like rounding out today's discussion, who are we recommending Zombieland Saga to? And importantly, are there, are there anybody that we would kind of say, stay away from the show, it's not for you? Mm. I think if you I think if you're the the type that really prefers your your shonen anime, if you want action, this is not for you. Like there mm. are very, very few scenes that I would describe as like conflict. Mm-hmm. It it you need and you need to have an appreciation for the music because there's a lot of talk about there's not only are there plentiful songs but they do look at it from like there are there are moments where you're kind of looking at it from like a production angle like okay we're like getting our dance choreography going and like we're training for that or like like this song isn't quite like working out like you have to you do have to have, I think, an appreciation for, like, a slower-paced anime. Like, we're not talking, like, a straight-on, like, 
slice of life slower pace mm. but it's definitely like it's something to chill with i think like it is very engaging but at the same time it's like engaging but you can sit back mm, i would say yeah, music lovers definitely should check out this anime even for just like the the raucous wildness that is this um the show soundtrack. <laughs> um, I also think like, yo, if you like cute girls of any nature, yo, these ones are adorable and they're zombies. Tell me, tell me that's not a plus point. Tell me that doesn't make it better. <laughs> um, as well as the fact that anyone who's looking to get into like more shoujo style or more idol anime, this is a really, as you said earlier, Pax, this is a really good like gateway drug to it. Um, it, it does everything this, the genre tries to do really well, really well. It, mm. it has success with it. Um, people who are not interested in any type of slice of life probably should avoid it. And people who CGI really bugs out and they like can't stand it and they're just like up on their high mm. horse about it should probably, um, should probably avoid it but other than that i think it's a like if you enjoy anime this is solid classic fun time anime at its core a hundred percent and this motivates me to give some idol series a second chance because i think previously i'd been turned off by the artificiality of it and the uh uh, uh just i don't know like i don't want to uh, I don't want to say it's cringe, dude, or, you know, whatever, but um, there was just something about it that I I did not allow myself to open my heart up to. And I think that the audience foil for me is the um, the, the two heavy metal dudes in the first episode. Basically, mm-hmm. they go do a heavy metal song at a hall, and Sakura's the only one who's conscious, and they only get the audience involved because they all start headbanging during this big heavy metal song, and they headbang unreally because their spines are disconnected because they're disintegrated corpses and so they're like cracking their own spines as they're like headbanging like you've never seen before and these these two uh like uh punks in the audience are at first like whoa this is really cool we're gonna go to all their shows but by the end they're diehard fans that show up to every show they lead cheers and wave around the glow sticks and god damn it i feel like i'm one of those punks now i've fallen in love with <laughs> french Shushu. i would go see the 3d concert of them with holograms i want to buy the merch uh so i i feel like if you're if you're fun curious <laughs> you know about this give it a try even if it hasn't been your thing before uh this really melted my icy cold heart and the music like i don't know can you can you get the album on like spotify or, or someplace because I, I would um, totally I listen to these tracks i actually do believe that the album is available uh hold on let me just oh good i'll, I'll edit out the click clacks yeah thank you uh yeah you can actually uh, get their uh, uh, their album is included in their Blu- Blu-ray box set, as well as their original soundtrack is available on. Oh my gosh! Not only CD but vinyl. Huh. Oh my god! Do I dare For the real I. collectors? For the real <laughs> collectors, I don't believe it is on Spotify, but I mean that could. There's always covers and shit that could change. So. Mm, absolutely! Absolutely! Any last things we wanted to throw out here about Zombieland Saga before we wrap for today? Give it a try. It yeah, give us- it a try. It, it doesn't usually... It, honestly, it wasn't my cup of tea when I first started watching it. I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. Oh, this is going to be so much work to get through. Oh, no. But then by episode three, I was like, why did I even Why did I even play myself like that? This is so much fun and I'm having such a good time. Worst comes to worst, give it a try. You waste an hour but, I mean, all you do is watch anime anyway, so. <laughs> well said. Well said, Anna. For all our degenerates out there, please give this a try. Uh, and with that said, um, Annie, where can our people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It is AnnieMayPlay. You can also find me on Twitch. Uh, and that is also AnnieMayPlay. I'm streaming three to four times a week. Um, if you like JRPGs, if you like retro games, and if you like somebody that isn't afraid to be a little snarky with even the games that she really, really loves, um, 
it's kind of a it's it's kind of a running riff track every time I play. Like I, I'm you know I'm I'm gonna say what I'm thinking, and most of the time what I'm thinking is either trash or garbage. So if you're into that, love to have you. Yeah, and, and please check her out because she's not kidding. Like I, I I was lucky enough to uh, uh, catch her stream a, a few times in the the last two weeks, and like. Really, you're just funny as shit, Annie. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast, and an absolute blast to watch. So please support uh, Annie at Annie May Play. Please follow her on Twitter. And uh, with that said, Anna, are you ready to lead us out today? Ah, absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a comment and a like on YouTube. If you really want to help the show out, the greatest you can do, uh, or the greatest thing you can do is share it with someone that you think would like it. It really does make a difference, and we always appreciate your support every single time. All right. (laughs) I'm Anna. I'm Pax. And this is Brotakus. We'll see you all next week. See you next week, y'all.